0: You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com.
1: Does Monday at the office feel like a storm?
2: Not with Microsoft CoPilot. That feeling when CoPilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When CoPilot simplifies complex data so your teams can
1: act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when CoPilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. What is up, good people? I hope you had a fantastic Labor Day weekend. If you're here in the States or wherever you are, I hope you had a great weekend regardless. I'm with you with another one this week. This week, I am talking to my dude, Trey Hensley. Trey is a flat-picking bluegrass legend. I met him at GearFest. He absolutely shredded my face off in the Martin Guitars booth. There's a clip of that that I have circulated on the YouTubes and on social media in general that a lot of people have seen. The dude is absolutely incredible. What I didn't know about him at the time was how much range this guy has, not just in what he can play, but also in what he enjoys. And we get into a lot of that. We get into a lot of things. I really enjoyed digging into his backstory and his Probably, I don't know, I don't want to say this for certain, but this has got to be the craziest acoustic pedal board I have ever heard of in my entire life. So, we talk about that quite a bit, we get into lots of things, and I think you're going to really, really enjoy this episode. So, just a tiny bit of business before we dive right in. It's really, really fast. I just want to remind you that... If you would like to get 10% off your guitar strings, you can go to stringjoy.com. All you gotta do is slide over to our website and enter code ToneMob for 10% off your next order. I really appreciate all the support we've had over there. It really means the world to me. We have some really, really big things coming in 2024 that I think people are really going to enjoy and have been asking for for a very long time, and I'll have to leave it at that. But yes, thank you all so much for Turning to string joy for your string needs As a lot of you are aware I am directly involved in that company I'm a partner in it with Scott And it really, really helps me a lot Every time you choose us for your guitar string needs So, code ToneMob All one word will get you 10% off at checkout Thank you very much And without further ado, let's get into this episode With Mr. Trey Hensley Here we go Welcome back to another episode of the Tone Mob Podcast, a show about guitar stuff occasionally, sometimes. I'm your host, Blake Wyland, and with me today, I have Trey Hensley. What is going on, dude? Hey, man. How's it going? Uh, pretty good. I forgot to warn you, and I, you know, this makes for great podcasting. Sometimes the video might grain up or go in and out a little bit, but it's still recording, both of us, uh, each on right. <laughs> our end. So. Don't worry about that. It should look and sound all, all groovy when we get done, even if the call gets a little weird. But um, Perfect. Anyway, sounds good. We're, we're here. We're doing the thing. We met briefly at Gear Fest where well, you were hanging out at the Martin booth. You melted my face off. And then I said, wow, that was crazy. And then I, I, I ran away and I showed everybody that I could possibly find uh, the, that little clip. And it's actually uh, doing... Relative to the size of my channel, doing real, uh, rather well on YouTube as a short right now. It just keeps going and going and going. So, you know, <laughs> <All> right,
0: <laughs> man, that's I think it's cool. at like
1: three or 4,000 views right now, which was unexpected, but kind of cool. Oh, that's
0: awesome. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I did a little research. That was the first time I had, I had heard of you, and that was the first time I'd obviously met you. And so I did a little more research uh, into your story after Gear Fest and was kind of blown away. But I thought it might be fun to get you on and tell it in your your own words. When did you first get into music? I mean you started getting in the public eye pretty young. It sounds like
0: yeah, I mean, I started playing uh when I was ten, and uh i you know i I didn't really grow up around music um my parents liked it, but you know nobody played. Mm-hmm. and uh went to a bluegrass festival and saw a uh, couple of really important bluegrass guys uh jimmy martin and charlie waller and mm-hmm. uh, they were kind of the first people i'd ever seen like take a guitar solo <laughs> and uh <laughs> that something about that just really uh lit a spark and so yeah i got a guitar and um i took a few lessons and and a couple months after i started playing uh uh, I got to meet Marty Stewart, who's you know one of the great uh country and bluegrass uh, musicians and always mm-hmm. been one of my favorites and uh and I got to play a couple songs for him backstage at this show in east Tennessee. and um and yeah, he invited me on the stage with him that night and uh and then after the show invited me to play the Opry a couple months after that so wow, uh, yeah, it kind of went <laughs> it went pretty quick from you know taking lessons to um to get to play on the Opry, uh, it was just kind of a string of, of, of good luck and, and, uh, good fortune and, and meeting good people, you know?
1: hmm Totally. you you said your family wasn't really that musical. I mean, I, I can relate. My, uh, my family had certain pockets of music my dad played, but nobody was in the music business in any capacity or anything, uh, at all. So it was a a little bit of a foreign thing for me to even start to reach into it when I did in my late 20s. Um, What was your parents' reaction or your family's reaction like when you started taking it pretty seriously pretty quickly?
0: (laughs) You know, it was, uh, well, my dad, he did play, uh, he played banjo when I was a kid. Mm
3: -hmm. And,
0: uh, but, you know, he just never, I don't think he ever really took it seriously or anything. You know, just one of those things he learned to play a few songs and that was what he wanted to do. And, mm-hmm. um, and then whenever I started taking it really seriously, you know, it was, uh, it kind of became almost a second job for them to, to drive me around. Cause I started gigging <laughs> immediately. You know, I, I think I took a lesson, um, on a Monday and I played a gig on Saturday. You know? oh, geez, so, like, that's so it wild. Been, it's been, uh, it, i've been been at this since i started you know it's uh it kind of went from zero to a hundred you know it's nothing huge uh other than you know i got like i said the opry uh kind of kicked things off but i mean it was a lot of just you know i'm from east tennessee so every weekend my parents would have to drive me to you know north carolina or virginia or you know uh kind of everywhere uh playing shows and, uh, mm-hmm. and they've always been very supportive, you know, I've, I've, uh, all of my family have been really supportive and, uh, and so, yeah, you know, I, I think everybody was on board, <laughs> pretty, you know, pretty easily. <laughs> uh, I can imagine now, you know, I've got a, a seven year old daughter and, uh, you know, I can imagine <laughs> driving her around <laughs> to all these places and, you know, I'm sure it was Uh, uh, probably tiring and, uh, you know, but they, I don't think they ever complained about it. And uh, so, yeah, it was great. You know, I I feel very fortunate to have, uh, you know, been around the people that I've gotten to, to be around, you know, as Mm -hmm. far as musically and family wise, you know, it's, it's been, uh, it's, it's it's all been good. That's so cool. That's very, very cool.
1: So at what point, you know, I mean, maybe it was always this way, you know, I ask a lot of people uh, the question of uh, at what point did you know this is what you were going to do and you were going to be able to do it full time for a career, um, but most people don't start uh, start off the way you did, <laughs> so maybe that was always <laughs> there. Can you speak to that a little bit?
0: It's it uh, it's almost like the first time I saw somebody play the guitar like that. That's when it hit me that this is what I was going to do, and I think you know there's something about getting started at ten and and starting to gig that there's a, a you know certain amount of being naive enough to think, Oh, this is going to be, you know, what I do forever. And, mm-hmm. uh, and at that point I feel like the, uh, the decision was made, you know, it, it, it's always, you know, I, I think through the years, I've come to realize that it's like, even if I didn't get to do this full time, I would still love playing music, you know? And, and so it's just, you know one of those things you you have to work a lot um which is something i didn't think about at 10 you know <laughs> <laughs> how much work goes into a career in music but uh man i love it and uh, wouldn't have it any other way but it never it never uh it never felt like there was any other option um and it still doesn't you know it's i think it's that way for musicians something about it you know there's a bug that bites you and you just uh you can't shake it And, Mm -hmm. uh, and that, that can be, you know, detrimental for a lot of people, but, uh, you know, it's (laughs) the easiest gig in the world, but, uh, man, it's, uh, when it's good, it's good. That's, that's a fact. When it's good, it's, it's
1: real good. When it's bad, (laughs) it's still better than a lot of things, but it can be,
0: (laughs) it can can be, I mean, I have worked, you know, a few gigs through the years and, and, uh, and I can on I can wholeheartedly agree that even on its worst day, it's better than not playing music for a living. So, hundred mm-hmm. percent for sure. Yeah, you're right. There is something about it. You know,
1: I obviously went down a very different path, but there was something about music and the music industry and the gear world that is I couldn't stop thinking about it, even though I probably should have stopped thinking about it at some point. It was like <laughs> Going to bed and being like, you know, I bet that flavor of Big Muff would probably be better on that track. <laughs> if I should probably swap that, I should go swap. And it's like it's three in the morning, go to bed.
0: You know, I
2: can't
1: yeah. stop thinking about I
0: it. I mean, it's, it really gets in your bloodstream, you know. And, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I've, I've been bitten by the gear bug too. You know, obviously you can see I around, can see. you know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, acoustic guitar, is the same for you. You know, it's, uh, uh, you just, You know, one guitar. It may be the same type of guitar, but it's going to sound different. So there's there's something cool about that. You know, it's uh, you can have ten Les Pauls and they're all going to sound different, or you can have ten D twenty eights and they're all going to sound different. So Mm -hmm. it's uh, it can be a never ending thing. I have in the past few years tried to, uh, you know, because there is something inspiring about you know, I think of Tony Rice, uh, who's a great you know bluegrass. Uh, probably, probably the greatest bluegrass guitar player. And, mm-hmm. um, it's incredible. You know, he pl- he played one guitar for the majority of his career, uh, and it was Clarence White's D twenty eight. And um, you know, so there's something inspiring about that. Just having, you know, this is my Excalibur, and I'm going to take it into battle. Uh, right, but <laughs> I haven't been able to do that yet.
1: <laughs> I don't think most players are quite able to do that. Although, I mean, my first Les Paul still even though it was one of the more affordable ones at the time, you know, it was like the faded or whatever. I still pick that thing up and go like, this yeah, this has got it. You know, it's got it. It's got the thing, whatever the thing is, it feels like home.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I've got a few, uh, a, a few acoustic guitars and electric that are like that. You know, um, I've got a, a telly that a friend of mine built for me that I've had forever And, um, and it's just you know i i probably played guitars that maybe sound a little better um but it's just like yeah when i go to that it's that's that's home base mhm for sure well, you're primarily
1: known i would i would say as a, an acoustic flat picker and that seems to be most of the stuff you put out there but i don't think you're quite limited to that cuz uh, you know when i do a little uh, instagram stalking i can see that we follow <laughs> pretty much all the same accounts. <laughs> yeah. For the most part, yeah. even though I'm more of an uh, an electric guy, um you know, so when you think about gear, do you obsess about pedals and things like that as much as most electric guitar players do or do you tend to nerd out on, you know, different bracing styles in acoustic
0: or like what or is it just all of it? It's a it's a little of both. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, funnily enough, I I I really got into playing electric guitar, um, I guess about 10 years ago or, or maybe a little longer than that now. But, uh, you know, I kind of didn't play acoustic for a couple of years. I just didn't even touch an acoustic guitar. Oh, wow. And, and I played mainly electric and that was really when I got into pedals and amps and electric guitars and, um, and that world it's so vast, you know, like acoustic Mm -hmm. guitars, um, it's, it all seems like, you know, here's a, a variation of the pre-war D28. (laughs) You know, (laughs) here's a variation of the pre-war D18. And I, you know, I love that world because it, every one of those sound different and yeah, you can obsess about bracing and, um, but really I haven't, I haven't dived deep into, you know, like bracing patterns or, um, any of the specs on acoustic guitars, nearly like I did electrics. Mm -hmm. Um, that just seemed more accessible to, you know, figure out, you know, why I liked P nineties or, you know, why this telly bridge sounds different than that one. And, um, and so I got into the pedal world for sure. And then when I started playing acoustic again, uh, I I started up this duo with uh, a dobro player named Rob Ikes. And, um, that's kind of been my main gig for, uh, eight years or something like that, you know? And, Mm -hmm. um, and so then i started taking my uh pedals that i got from my electric guitar i would take one or two of them out on the road when i'm doing acoustic gig and so now like when i do an electric gig i just did a run with uh, rodney crowell and i played electric guitar and acoustic and and my acoustic board had three pedals you know i had a tuner mm-hmm. uh, a boost and, a, and an overdrive and my acoustic board is just giant, you know, it's, it has, <laughs> you know, it's, I've got a, uh, Ottawa, uh, envelope filter and, you know, phase shifter and, and a chorus pedal and, Ooh. um, you know, like anything I can think, a a, a whammy pedal, um, on
1: your acoustic board.
0: Yeah. I've got a, I, I had a heavy metal on there for a while <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and so my acoustic board <laughs> is like four times the size my electric board is now and uh so it's kind of it, it, it's flipped and uh, i mean i do i do really enjoy the uh the acoustic world like you know I, I try to get the the acoustic guitar pickup to sound as much like my guitar as possible so I, like i use a a bags um anthem sl pickup which sounds mm-hmm. great but then I run it through the voice print, uh, which is the bags uh, thing that kind of mimics your guitar. So, it, like, if I just used those pedals, my acoustic tone would sound a lot like my guitar. But then I run it through all this crap that, <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> just fun. And, uh, and so I've really enjoyed that the past few years. And, um, but yeah, I mean, I've got so many pedals in this room that I've just bought and and you know I'm I'm into so many different types of music and um and then I do a lot of sessions you know it's uh it's fun to have whatever I need for those sessions which you know in all actuality how much do you really need um <laughs> but in my head it sounds good
1: well <laughs> it we're, justifies
2: yeah,
1: we it. <laughs> we talk ourselves into it right well I I can use that I need to sometimes I need
0: to you know that's
2: Who right. knows? Yeah, I need four <laughs> fuzz pedals
0: that I'm never going to use, you know. Just <laughs> Nothing, in case. That, that's right. Mm-hmm. Nothing that mm-hmm. I play is going to justify having this, but one day I might get called for a, you know, Dinosaur Jr. gig. <laughs> it, anything could happen, man. Yeah, I just, <laughs>
1: when you were talking about your acoustic board, I'm lo- over here looking. I, some uh, listeners probably are aware of this, but I got an incredible birthday present from a friend of mine. He surprised me with the, uh, a 73 gibson j160e and i was i had no idea it was coming uh it was totally by surprise but the the thought process behind it was because i'm such an electric player but i really need a good acoustic i don't like i don't i didn't have one prior to that i didn't have a decent acoustic i had my old acoustic that was my first guitar ever it was a cheaper ibanez that just you know it it did the trick but it wasn't anything that anybody's going to get super excited about um, and, uh, he gifted me with this and, um, it, the thought process was like, well, it's got a P90 in it. So, you know, it's an, <laughs> it's an acoustic guitar for the primarily electric guitar player. And I didn't really realize that's what it was when I first plugged it in. I just thought, man, this thing sounds really great through the Silvertone Twin 12. <laughs> and then I did a little more digging and like looked under the hood a little bit I'm like, oh yeah, that's just cause it's a big old fat P90. Uh I guess that makes a lot of sense then, doesn't it?
0: <laughs> yeah, man, you got the Lightning Hopkins thing going on. Mhm. Well, I maybe in the
1: guitar, not in not in my fingers. I got to <laughs> gotta work on that part a little bit. But I'm going to be posting a lot of stuff of running it through pedals cuz it's it's a lot of fun with that stuff though. I'm yeah, encouraged I mean, by your uh, your large acoustic board
0: with the whammy on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's uh it can be really fun uh you know because i i mean I'm, like i said i'm primarily a bluegrass flat picker and uh and so that genre of music has you know pretty historically been known as a very traditional you know uh, everybody uses mics and you know nobody plugs in and so i kind of like you know going to to bluegrass festivals or whatever and having this giant acoustic board and you know, playing a a solo with a a whammy or yeah, a envelope filter, or any of that stuff. You know, and mm-hmm. seeing the 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 disapproval on people's faces. <laughs> there's, there's something satisfying about that. <laughs> I couldn't, I could not
1: possibly love that more. That's that's phenomenal. <laughs> I, I hope to see that in person one day. That sounds like a spectacle that I need to. I need to absorb. That's, that's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Man. So yeah, yeah, you obviously you're a big fan of lots of stuff. I've seen, you know, as I've started following you since since Gearfest, I've seen you post covers from all kinds of different genres that I think a lot of people would be surprised about. Um, I think I think even these days where it's more expected that people have wider tastes than maybe their their personal genre they're known for dictates. But I think, um, especially maybe because bluegrass, like you mentioned, is extremely traditional in the instrumentation and also just the way that the average bluegrass fan, I think, thinks about music. I don't think Dinosaur Jr. is even a name that they would uh, ever throw out there in conversation for the most part. I'm obviously grossly generalizing uh, and there's, there's exceptions to every rule, but are there bands or artists that you think people would be really shocked to find out that you're really into?
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, I, it's, uh, for those that have, have been to my shows and stuff. Yeah. I, I have long, you know, proved my love for Slayer and, you know, a lot of metal bands, um, mm-hmm. a lot of thrash stuff, you know, I got way into that. Um, at a certain point, but yeah, I mean, you know, even the, the as far as, you know, jazz stuff and and being really influenced by Grant Green and, um, you know, it's just stuff that, like I say, a lot of people that, um, and, and I think it kind of, it, it's, if you really dig into bluegrass, you know, you can see that people like Doc Watson and, and Tony Rice were influenced by, you know, mu- by, by a lot of different music. But mm-hmm. um, a lot of music of, you know, their day, you know, as far as Doc being influenced by, you know, folk and Merle Travis style guitar playing and, and yeah, jazz and ragtime stuff and, and Tony being really influenced by Miles Davis and John Coltrane. And and uh, so, yeah, it is, uh, while bluegrass is kind of known as being this traditional thing, um, you know, even back to its core when you think of bill monroe who started the the genre you know he was influenced by blues players and and you know uh jazz horn players and and um so it's always even though you know in in most people's minds and a lot of the listeners minds it's this very traditional thing it's always been you know about kind of pushing the boundaries and and Mm -hmm. um and so, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm I'm influenced by, like I say, a lot of metal stuff. And, you know, when I was able to go out and start buying my own music, I would uh, go to a record shop in East Tennessee. And and um, the it, luckily enough, I had this guy that worked there that he would just save stuff back. You know, and my parents, when I grew up, they were just specifically bluegrass and country. That's all they listened to. That's all that I grew up listening to. And so yeah i mean the first time i heard even just led zeppelin you know it was like it just blew my mind and so it kind of you know it it went all over the place from there and you know a lot of um just a lot of everything i've just that's what i do is just listen to music you know it's kind of like being obsessed with gear i've just always been obsessed with you know, in my spare time from playing music, I listen to music. <laughs> so <laughs> it, it, uh, it it's kind of a fun thing to just keep exploring stuff and uh, and find little bits and pieces from other musicians or other genres or uh, you know whatever that I can take and and bring it into my own playing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting thing, right? When you start breaking
1: out and venturing on your own and my my parents weren't as into bluegrass, but a little bit, but definitely country, and that was pretty pretty much it. They, they maybe threw the Eagles in the rotation there. I do remember <laughs> my parents giving me a Dire Straits record, so there was like a little bit of variety there. But no yeah, doubt. when I started bringing in the you know early two thousands like metalcore and and stuff into the house, that was a that was a question mark there for a moment. <laughs>
0: you know, yeah, in time that uh, I do remember them, my parents finding the. Uh, you know even just something like you know ac was just oh wow you're really going off the deep end but yeah. you know those uh, <laughs> those slayer album covers are so just you know they they're pretty they're pretty scary looking to people that have you know only only seen i mean they're kind uh, of just scary looking i think you can They look, are kind uh, of scary looking there's nothing yeah. you know but uh so yeah i mean but there was something that musically that that it all made sense to me like you know any kind of that the metal stuff to me it seems so related to like the fast flat picking stuff um, totally it all kind of intertwines it's just like okay well that that's just flat picking or uh-huh. you know i know there's more to it but there's, that's just kind of the the same stuff that i play but on electric guitar and uh through a loud amp and that that would be fun, you know so <laughs> it's, it's definitely uh, it's, fun yeah, it's definitely fun <laughs> mm-hmm yeah, absolutely
1: yeah it's a it's a whole wide world out there and I do think you know kind of going back to what I was talking about earlier in conversation, it, it is nice that that compartmentalization of music has sort of gone away it seemed like back when I was a kid, you know if you were into punk rock you were only supposed to be into punk rock. You know, you're not supposed to listen to anything else because that's not cool. And now it's yeah. not cool to not listen to lots of different things. You know, it's and, and the truth is, everyone always did. It, it just was not, uh, for whatever reason, there was these little clicks, at least in my area, where it's like, if you listen to this, you were this type of kid. If you listen to this, you were this type of kid. And you weren't supposed to cross-pollinate too much. And I think the internet's helped
0: abolish a lot of that yeah there are good things about you know the internet and being you you can kind of just and it's that's another good thing about you know not i kind of liked going to record shops and and buying a cd or or whatever but uh you know it is nice to to have the internet to just you know oh this looks cool maybe i'll listen to a few songs and see what it sounds Mm -hmm. like and um but yeah, I think in, in bluegrass, like, you know, I grew up in East Tennessee and it's, um, it's a pretty big hub for bluegrass. You know, we've, yeah. we've got the East Tennessee State University has the bluegrass program and, and, uh, so there's a lot of flat pickers and, you know, bluegrass musicians and, and that one, like you say, I mean, it, it seems like, especially before, you know bluegrass got popular again with like oh brother or art thou um, mm-hmm. it was almost like you wore it as a badge of honor that you only listen to bluegrass and you it's kind of like the punk rock scene you know I, I do think there's similar similarities there where it's like this is my camp I will die defending my camp you know? yeah yeah but now it's uh it, it I think when everything exploded with you know uh, even you know, Bluegrass has always had these cycles of, you know, it was popular with Allison Krauss and then um, you know, O Brother and like I say, you know, now Billy Strings is kinda, you know, opening a lot of doors and stuff. So it it it's popular again and um but yeah, it's it uh it's it's cool to listen to everything.
3: Hi, I'm Vincent and I'm here to talk about the merits Mer- 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 X. My dad's always going on and on about how cool Maris is. He really went off on one about the Mercury X the other day. He said something about a 4800 hertz sample rate and 99 preset locations and 33 banks? And something along the lines of, The most advanced reverb pedal ever devised by man? That's all true, but I only care about one thing. This pedal sounds sick. So make sure you check out the Mercury X and all the other fine products at maris.us as well as fine retailers worldwide. All right, Dad, all now right. can I have my Pocky?
1: How exactly do artists get their music on Spotify, Apple Music, Deezer, Tidal, all these services? How in the world do you get your music there? Well, in the past, you had to use something called a record label. But these days, you can use DistroKid. DistroKid is the absolute easiest way to get your music up on streaming services. And it's the most affordable way to do so. Not only do plans start at $22.99 for the entire year, that's less than 2 bucks a month, DistroKid also does not take a cut of your streaming revenue, unlike some other services out there. Even better if you sign up by going to ToneMob.com slash DistroKid. That's ToneMob.com slash DistroKid. One more time, that's ToneMob.com slash DistroKid. You'll get 30% off. That's right, 30% off. They're already extremely reasonable prices. So go to ToneMob.com slash DistroKid and get your music out there. We are brought to you today by Sweetwater, specifically the gear exchange. You may have heard about this. This is a place where you can go to buy and sell your used gear. Maybe you got a pedal over there that's just kind of collecting dust. Maybe there's something you've been eyeing from the Sweetwater catalog. Well, right now is a great time to turn that unused gear into something you're actually going to use. Even better, if you sell on the gear exchange, You can keep 100% of the sale as long as you choose a Sweetwater gift card as your payout method. That is not too shabby because, let's be honest, most of this buying and selling we do is just to fund new gear purchases. And that is a great way to reach a wide variety of customers and keep 100% in your pocket, or rather, on your pedal board. So go check out the Sweetwater Gear Exchange and turn that unused gear into something that's actually going to help you write that next huge riff absolutely yeah Billy's an interesting uh example of how everything's just wide open now right because you know he's skateboarding and you know doing all this stuff and, and and in fact the other day he posted he was listening to this band uh cryptopsy uh oh yeah which is a great great super heavy metal band and it was just a weird thing because i immediately had to tag matt the singer of that band in it because i i'd just done his podcast like I don't know, a couple weeks ago or a month ago or whatever. And I'm like, this is a wild collision of, of <laughs> things. And like Billy strings, uh, his, I don't know if you saw that prison guitar that he had, uh, or if you know oh, anything yeah, about yeah. that. Yeah. So I got to like check that out and, and, uh, not really play it cause it wasn't completed, but like the builder that did that scale model in, in Nashville, I went and did a podcast. So I like this weird, like, like six degrees of separation with Billy. That's always kind of, kind of funny and weird, but, um, <laughs> but he's, you, you mentioned him because he's, he's really, I don't know what it is exactly. I mean, other than he's an incredible musician, but, uh, he's really somehow kicked the doors down to mainstream, um, for what was otherwise a little bit of a, a niche type of music.
0: It's kind of interesting. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it's a cool thing. You know, it, uh, anything that makes bluegrass, cool is is good and uh yeah obviously billy's great and and uh so yeah i mean you know it's like i say it's it's gone through cycles before where things are are very popular and but i think to a lot of people bluegrass has always been kind of cool and and i mean billy's a good example of that he's you Mm -hmm. know he and i are about the same age and we've you know probably been picking the same amount of time and and uh you know it's i i've (laughs) having played guitar before the Oh Brother Where Art Thou Boom, when it was definitely not cool <laughs> at all, you know, uh, it it kind of made me a little mad when I <laughs> would go to school and, you know, people would be into bluegrass now because it was like, hey, you just made fun of me last week for, you know, liking <laughs> flat & Scruggs. What what changed? You know, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, you kind of get over that. And, and it, it's just, you're just glad that people know about it. I mean, you know. What's what's uh, what's good for bluegrass is good for all of us that play it. Hmm. I think that's a good a good
1: way to look at it. And I wish the hardcore scene adopted a little more of that attitude because they're all still mad about turnstile and knocked loose blowing up here recently. And uh, <laughs> I'm like, come on, guys,
0: we've been waiting for yeah, this for I mean, a long time. <laughs> yeah, I love love turnstile, you know, and and it's a good thing, man. It's like yeah, anything that brings these genres more light. Um, you know, even like I got into to Deaf Heaven a couple of years ago, and
1: oh yeah, and, oh, you know, yes. I really love
0: love them, but a lot of metal snobs don't, you know. And it's like, why? It's they're great, you know. It's they're it's awesome great stuff. It's mm-hmm. it's killer, you know. And you just got to listen to it with your ears, without this preconceived notion of <laughs> this is gonna make my genre popular. Why? You know, but it, it's it's a good thing.
1: I mean it's probably speaking to that same sort of feeling that you had, you know, in in the old brother days when all of a sudden it became <laughs> cool. You know, now you feel yeah. like your your thing is being co-opted. And I can I can understand that feeling. I've felt that before too with with certain things. It's like, "Hey, wait, no, this was my thing." And me and <laughs> my circle, and you guys can't have it but
0: yeah, exactly. the reality is
1: as you get older and you you know you realize it is definitely a rising tide raises all ships scenario because yeah the more people is, are paying man. attention the better it is the better it is for everybody because you get too niche it becomes very difficult to be sustainable
0: yes <laughs> it's, it's uh it's you know the gigs are few and far between when nobody knows what in the hell you're playing you know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, man, for sure.
1: So, how's it uh, been? You know, you know, you got you got a family and everything. And how do you balance? Like you said, it is a lot of work to try to make a living in this way. How do you try to balance that with with family life, if you can? I know it's very
0: very challenging. It is tough. You know, it's uh, it it's, it's a tough gig. No matter what you do, um, you know, at, at any level. Uh, it can be tiring. I mean, you have these extreme highs and extreme lows, as you know, and, uh, but, you know, as far as, as playing, uh, professionally, it's been great, you know, because it's, um, I've at this point, you know, I've been doing it for a while and, and I'm able to, uh, kind of as much as I can work these schedules out where, you know, okay, well I can go on the road these times and, and I try to never go on the road for more than a couple weeks, you know, um, mm-hmm. that's kind of my limit. And, uh, so it's like, well, you know, I could do a week, you know, here or, you know, and it's still never perfect. You know, my daughter's into softball and, and she's acts and plays and, and she's into so many different activities and, and a lot of stuff, you know, I've, I'm at as much stuff as I can possibly be at, but there's still been a few times where it's like, well, I missed a game or, um, so that part of it sucks, you know, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's definitely tough, but, um, I think you just, you know, I try to keep a good, uh, as much as I can, a good head on my shoulders and and just, you know, I'm, I'm out, out on the road to, to do my job and, everybody's on the same page with that you know my my wife has been very supportive and um, and my daughter loves music and and loves what I do and she thinks it's cool so that'll change oh, one nice. day I'm sure <laughs> <laughs> I maybe. can see it coming <laughs> and there, I
1: mean there's some level of I I feel like maybe I'm this is me being hopeful and, and maybe slightly naive there's some level of like hey dad's on stage and other people are paying attention Whether you like love the music or it's your thing or not, there's some level of like. Not all dads have that going on. That's kind of cool. There's, I I would think, I would hope, maybe not. Maybe your kids never get cool after a certain point.
0: I think at a certain point, everybody's uh, everybody's parents are uncool for a little while. (laughs) 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 I am not. uh, I have the feeling I'm not gonna be. Uh, the first dad—that's always cool. <laughs> yeah. I can feel—I can feel a change in the air. <laughs> oh uh, no! <laughs> but no, she does. You know, she likes getting up and singing uh, a couple songs on stage, and uh, and so that part of it's kind of cool. And and uh, it's just—it's funny to uh, you know have another person <laughs> that mm-hmm. that you're responsible for that like I I can kind of catch myself, you know, like trying to I just not that I'm making her listen to anything but it's like I want to kind of lead her into directions of this cool music and you know it's I I have to remember that you know I, I don't necessarily like everything that my parents like and you know I, I found my own music and you know even though she's still really young she likes what she likes to listen to and and so that's cool but she does like music and she's got a little guitar and she plays a little uh uh, some keyboard and and uh, so that part of it's, it's, like I say, it's really great. And, and I feel like the music um, it's, it, you know, it's, it's my gig and any, any job that you have, you're going to have to balance your family time. And um, mm-hmm. this, I think this, this job just takes a little more thinking about it and being aware of, uh, of the fact that it takes More work, you know, to make it Mm -hmm. work. So, um, yeah, it's a never-ending thing. You know, you can talk to anybody. I'm sure that has a family. It's and they're all we're all dealing with the same thing. Yeah, you know, just on different scales. (laughs) Yeah, it is.
1: It's and it's interesting too, right? Because it's one of those things where so many people, and it, it's not really any different for you or anybody else. But like so many people. This is also what they love. So it's real easy to overwork when what you love to do is also your job. And it's not necessarily overwork from, it can be at times, but it's not necessarily overwork from, oh, I'm working too much, I need a break. It's more like I'm spending too much time on this and not enough time on other things that need my attention as well. And it's a unique balancing act that one has to strike when, what you love to do is also your job. It's it's the kind of like unspoken thing. You always hear the, if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. And that's not really 100% true. I appreciate yeah. the sentiment, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it is, and this is not meant as a complaint or uh, or anything because it's really fortunate to be in this position. But it's a challenge that I don't think a lot of people expect once they do get to that point where, what they love is also their full-time
0: gig. Yeah. I mean, just, just mentally, you know, it's like, I, I'm pretty much always thinking about something to do with music, you know? And, mm-hmm. and like I was, you know, talking about listening to music, it, it just always feels like there's music <laughs> happening in my brain, you know, it's <laughs> like there's, whether it's just thinking about, you know, okay, well, I, I can change the way I play this lick or, you know, or or thinking about, you know, a song that I'm trying to write or. um, So I I do have a hard time like turning that off. Yeah. um, When I need to turn that off and focus on something else. Um, And, you know, when I'm home, I have a guitar sitting out. And so it's like, yeah, I can be off the road or be on the road. And it's the second that I get home you know, I can, I could, if I gave myself the free reigns to do it, I could still sit and play the guitar for, you know, seven hours and be happy with that. Although, you know, I I love my family time. Again, it just kind of goes back to there's always music (laughs) going on Mm -hmm. in my brain. So I'm, I'm still trying to figure it out. You know, it's like, I don't, I've never been satisfied with my own playing. And, you know, most people feel that way. They don't, you know, like their own playing. And so it's like, I'm trying to fix that. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, it, uh, I have to just remind myself to, you know, let it go. And, and it's, you know, it's, people talk about leaving work at the door, uh, on most every job that you can think of. So it's, uh, it's no different for us, but it, it is, it is a little weird being in the, uh, the, I guess the arts, um, trying to create stuff because it, uh, it can take over your brain and mm-hmm. uh, you just obsess about it in the same way that you obsess about gear or anything else, you know, hundred percent. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I wonder if you have the same thing and I'm assuming so, but I'll let you tell me that I do. Whereas I used to be able to, before I was, before I was playing and before I was writing, I'd be able to sit there and just like listen to a song and just listen to the song and not really think about, how it was structured or what they used on it or, wow, I wonder why they chose to use that that style of reverb on there. I don't know. Like I used to be able to just kind of sit there and absorb a song as a song. And I can still do that from time to time. And it, it, I, it's weird that it's something I have to work on. Like being more passive is something I have to work on. But even when I'm going through the grocery store and I'm like, oh, that's a cool riff. Oh, they structured that like that. That's interesting. But I'm always like listening, but also analyzing it. And I think by doing that, it removes some of the um, excitement out of it a little bit when you're constantly, or when, for me anyway, when I'm constantly thinking about the way it was created and structured, instead of just enjoying the finished product, uh, it's a little bit annoying to me. And I, I'm sure it's more annoying to my wife when I'm like, well, did you hear that? Was, she, <laughs> was that a telecaster on that? I don't know. You
0: know? <laughs> like, <laughs> do you do that too? Yes. Um okay. I used to not, you know, I remember when I first started working with, uh, with Rob Ikes, you know, and, and we were, we were driving and he was talking about, you know, it was, it was some bluegrass record and, and he was just talking about, I, I don't like the, you know, the sound of that record or, or, you know, the just talking about different parts of the record that like, Oh, I never even paid attention to that stuff. I just, you know, if, if I like the, the music <laughs> and it's i can get over whatever and then mm-hmm. i think when i started working more in the studio that was when it really started clicking to where yeah you just overanalyze everything to the point of uh especially i find it difficult when it's uh when it's like really poppy music that maybe I'm not into, you know, like if it's, especially if it's music that I don't like, (laughs) I could really be, I could really be overcritical about it. And, uh, and so, uh, (laughs) that's, that's one of those things where it's like, okay, maybe I shouldn't complain about every single song, you know, that comes on the radio, (laughs) but, uh, you know, it's, uh, I, I think that's the curse of, of being a musician is, you know, I, this is a totally different thing. But uh, you know, I remember reading an interview with David Gilmour who was talking about, you know, he he would never get the excitement that most people get when they listen to Dark Side of the Moon for the first time because he mm-hmm. just hears all the mistakes and stuff. And uh, you know, on, on a lesser level, because I'm not the one creating it, but I can I can really be overcritical <laughs> about stuff and take the fun <laughs> out of it for myself and everyone around me.
1: And then I have to remind myself sometimes too that yeah what do you, what do my favorite records have in common well they have little weird things that maybe aren't quote unquote perfect you know that maybe there is a mistake or maybe there's some mic bleed into something else or the timing drifts a little bit or or whatever whatever thing that like makes it more human is what makes yeah. it more interesting and I think that's the thing that uh, not to beat this subject to death like everybody has, including myself, but I think that's the part that AI will have a difficult time replicating is the weird stuff that you can't predict or control. Uh, yeah, and uh, and that human element always going to be interesting to other humans. And that's pretty much who listens to music. So
0: yeah, I, I mean, you know, there's something I think that's so organic about you know bluegrass or you know the the metal scene or the you know the hardcore scene you know there's everybody it's made by people you know and mm-hmm. and yeah you do hear um you know especially like low budget albums or or whatever you hear people in a room together you know and making music and um you know, there's a great Merle Haggard quote where he was he was asked about why modern country music is so bad and his uh his response was that you know, when when you would listen to an Elvis record, you could hear him breathe. And, mm-hmm. you know, you knew it was a, a person. And they've just taken all humanity out of a lot of records. And, um, you know, unfortunately, I feel like bluegrass <laughs> in some some circles, like modern bluegrass, kind of can get that way. Like, you know, I've recorded on a lot of records that, you know, they put everything on the grid and line it all up. And it, it just takes that human element out of it. So I hope that, <laughs> I hope that bluegrass isn't the first to fall to AI. Cause, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> we, we have the potential, but, uh, you know, it, it's funny. The first time I heard a bluegrass record that had auto tune on it, you know, cause it's so grossly, um, well, you, I don't think I won't even hear, hear that. Oh man. You can Ugh. hear auto tune a mile away. And it's like, I can hear it on a few, Records that I won't name, but uh, you know, and it's like, oh, I thought Bluegrass would be the last standing, you know, little fort of no auto tune, mm-hmm. but uh, no, we we gave up immediately.
2: Hello there. I'd like to introduce you to your new best friend, the Chase Bliss Audio Long Seat Lossy is a collaboration between Chase Blitz and Good Hertz. It's meant to give you some control over those weird digital artifacts that come with the compressed audio. You're getting it right now. All the changes that are taking place are strictly coming from my playing demo. I'm just interacting with the pedal and letting it do its thing. And some true stereo goodness. If you'd like some more details about Lossing, I invite you to head over to chaseplansaudio.com. I think you're going to like what you find. So... <laughs> <laughs>
1: hopefully hopefully AI
0: doesn't get to them
1: <laughs> oh man you can tell me what those are off off the I, I'm actually <laughs> right. more I'm like morbidly curious now I'm not even necessarily <laughs> okay. an anti-autotune guy like I kind of like I, I'm i a fan of Post Malone you know so I'm not anti-autotune oh, yeah. but I feel like it has its time and place and I, I don't I don't personally feel that that time and place is in anything really country or bluegrass even though it's <laughs> It's pervasive in, in modern quote unquote country
0: these days. So Yeah. Um, I mean, I enjoy it like I, I'm a big post Malone fan and you know, mm-hmm. I enjoy, you know, even listening back in the day to T to Pain and Lil Wayne, you know, it's like I when it's used musically, it uh it, it's an it can effect kind of cool. It's, you know, it's, it's like fact. yeah, it's exactly yeah. it's mm-hmm. you know, like using an effect on an instrument and it and it that part of it's cool. I think where it gets insidious is where like you know you're you're fixing every vocal whether it needs it or not you know and just mm-hmm. cuz i know that with with bluegrass that happens you know pretty often where it's just like you know you got these these people that can actually sing you know cuz you have to be able to uh, to get gigs most of the time <laughs> you would hope and uh and they'll just run autotune it's like man it doesn't need it you know mm-hmm. just there's there's something cool about you know listening to uh, you know bill monroe records or flat and scruggs and it, that was kind of the big thing was that lester flat on those flat and scruggs records was always just a hair flat <laughs> you know yeah it, <laughs> he, he sang naturally flat and uh i, I would never want to hear that auto tune because it's like that there's something yeah it, you're just taking the humanity out of it and that uh that's what you know, not to beat that dead horse in the ground but uh that that that's why we listen to music you know it's it uh or that's why we're inspired to play music
1: Mm -hmm. i mean you look at look no further than willie nelson like he's one of the biggest most iconic musicians of all time and watch him live even back when he was younger there's he's all over the place uh but it's still fun and it's still interesting and that's why i've i didn't understand it when i was a kid i'd hear, hear people say it's oh, it's hard to sing with willie nelson and I'd listen to the records and I'd say, What do you mean? It's it's fine. Yeah. It's easy. It's not any different. What are you talking about? And then you watch him live, pretty much everyone. He's just always just a little behind. Just a little behind the beat. <laughs> yeah,
3: but I think it's that's great, cool. You know?
1: I love it's it. It's great. I think yeah. <laughs> if he wanted to fix it, he probably could. Obviously, he doesn't doesn't see the need.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, it's uh I was just talking to somebody um about uh the, the record with Willie and Merle doing poncho and lefty and oh, one uh, of my favorites and you know I always thought that was Willie playing the uh, the guitar part that's uh that's twinned and and uh, I've heard different stories from from people that were there and and from people that would possibly know but uh, you know it just seems to me like the way Willie plays is so spontaneous and and yeah it's a little you know he might be Ahead of the beat, or or a little behind, even you know, sometimes, but most of the time ahead. And but there's something so cool about that, you know, it's uh, you immediately know as soon as you hear Willie Nelson play the guitar or sing that that's who that is, you know, there's mm-hmm. no mistaking it. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, that's uh, that's a cool thing, yeah. I just got to see him
1: recently, uh, which I was I saw him when he was a, a spry young 78 year old. <laughs> and uh, seeing him at ninety was was interesting, but it was unreal. It was like that's still that's still Willie Nelson, and he still sounds like Willie Nelson. I mean, yeah, it. I think he was a little more uh, on at seventy eight than he was at ninety. But man, the fact that he was in, even up there playing an hour long set at all, let alone doing a, what I thought was a good job, was mind blowing to me. I, mean, I don't think I'm going to be able to do that at ninety. I don't think I'm gonna be able to do that at 78. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know if I can do it at 35. To be perfectly honest, uh, yeah.
0: So. <laughs> yeah, I did hear him. You know, just video clips from the the 90th birthday celebration. You know, and there's a uh, just a crowd shot of him doing uh, Stardust, mm-hmm. and it's amazing. Like it's you know, it sounds so great, and yeah, uh, you know, he's got Booker T playing playing the the keys and he's yeah it's a mm-hmm. great band and and it's just it's unbelievable it's like man that how i don't know how can you be 90 and just still sound that good you know and and um mm-hmm. uh, so that yeah there's uh he's he's an inspiring guy for sure yeah yeah i got
1: a little bit i got not ashamed to admit i got a little bit misty not because of anything that was said or done i was just like this is willie nelson at 90 years old. I was like, this is wild that this is even happening. And uh, that's, so like, <laughs> yeah. crazy. I got, I got to see Merle. I got to see Willie. I always wanted to see Waylon, but I was a little – was just just barely starting to go to concerts when he passed, uh, unfortunately. Waylon's
0: one of my all-time,
1: all-time oh, yeah, favorites. Man. Oh,
0: yeah, Waylon Jennings, man. So good. I never got to see Waylon either. I, I did get to see Merle. Yeah. Um, I guess two or three times. He's always, Merle's always been my favorite. That was my It's one guy, of the best songwriters you know, of all those, time. Just those records, man. And I think, talk about people that were inspired by different music, you know, if you really dig into Merle's discography, you know, a lot of people just kind of think of him as, oh, the country guy, you know, but man, he was like, there's a great um, Dixieland jazz album that Merle did, you know, at the, at the height of his, uh, success in the 70s um, mm-hmm. it's a great live album and um, his band was just always you know talk about just somebody that just mm-hmm. yeah it's like and and that band always sounded like Merle Haggard's band you know he had Roy Nichols on guitar who was just this monster you know he he could play bebop jazz or he could play the most country sounding thing ever but you know, I th- I feel like all of his guitar lines were influenced by Charlie Parker, and 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 to hear that kind of playing within country music or or you know acoustic music, uh, it, it was just mind blowing. You know, and and um, he had those guys forever. You know, they were that was his ba- the strangers were, you know, the band for thirty years or whatever, and mm-hmm. and Norm Hamlet played with him from you know, played pedal steel. And, and I think he played, started in like 68 and played with Merle till the day that he died, you know, and, and uh, that speaks volumes about, you know, Merle as a guy and Merle's music. And, but I think there's, that, that's kind of missing, you know, it's, it's, uh, these, these bands that, especially within, you know, like country, uh, you know, you don't, I can't think of anybody that's out there with that has a band kind of like you know the merle haggard and the strangers you know that Mm -hmm. was or waylon you know he uh, had the same guys you know if it if it wouldn't have been for um forgot the guy's name but the drummer you know and and ralph mooney playing pedal steel Mm -hmm. it's like that was the sound you know and and so um i love listening to those records that you know it's not a bunch of studio musicians even though I, i i like working in the studio but you know it's uh it's it, there's something cool about that too.
1: Yeah, when they're like, it's the band. It's like, hey, we're going with the band, and it's
0: it's yeah, a co- cohesive unit together.
1: You mm-hmm. know, <laughs> mm-hmm. with the same goal. It's yeah, it's it's really special, and I feel like it's it's a little more common in in rock for whatever reason to have yeah. the band, and sometimes members rotate in and out, but largely the goal is to have the same members. And for some reason in in country, it's always not always, but Often, the fo- focus is on the artist, the front person, and the band kind of rotates in, in and out, which is, you know, good and bad, I suppose, but I feel like there's a little bit of magic lost when it's not that same cohesive unit that's always practicing together and yeah. knows each other's little weird
0: intricacies and all that stuff. There's some some magic there that's hard to replicate. Yeah, I mean, I feel like, you know, there's there's still a few, like, uh, you know, I think about, Marty Stewart and the, you know, he's got the fabulous superlatives and those mm-hmm. guys. Are, I feel like that's as close as we're going to get to seeing, you know, Waylon Jennings and, and, and the Waymoors are, are seeing, you know, Hag and the Strangers. And, you know, that's, uh, the, the, that i guess his bill are, does it
1: you know he's he's, yeah, he's always got the same and, yeah and
0: uh you know chris stapleton i think has got the same guys largely for mm-hmm. you know most gigs and and so it's still happening you know but it uh that's uh it's a special thing when yeah you know i, I love listening to those records that are made by you know all these people like you say with the same goal in mind and and he you, you spend a lot of time on the road playing with you know the same people it uh you can it translates over, I think so
1: well, dude, this has been a really great conversation. I really really enjoyed it, and this is about how I expected it to go so this is this is really <laughs> awesome. I have a couple classic questions I like to wrap these up on before we slide over to patreon, but before I do, I like to give the guests a chance to take the floor and you're talking to a few thousand people right now you can say anything you want to say you can shout out your grandma you can plug your favorite <laughs> restaurant you can do whatever you want the floor is is yours right now
0: all right well thanks for having me on man it's been great chatting with you and uh just it was great to meet you at gear fest and um but yeah i mean i guess if uh, if you want to check uh, out more of my stuff i'm on all the the big platforms of you know instagram and facebook and i've uh i'm on tour currently with uh, rob ikes um so you can find out more about our stuff you know at, at uh rob and 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 again all those big platforms and um yeah a lot of cool stuff happening this year you know we're we're getting ready to work on a new record um just released an album a couple months back and um you know so getting getting re- geared up for the next record and um you know a lot of a lot of cool stuff on the horizon we got a um a new track coming out in uh in october with molly tuttle who's uh oh amazing sick. yeah yeah we uh, uh we got to record for a um, a tribute album to the judds um actually it just got announced today um and oh yeah, wow i did not of, i'm excited about cool that stuff <clears throat> yeah it's got um I know Dolly Parton and, um, and you know, Winona's on it and, and Jelly Roll and and um, just a lot of people. And it was just really fortunate to get a, get to be a part of that record. And, uh, yeah, Molly and I got to sing an old uh, kind of a bluegrass standard that the Juds recorded. Um, but, yeah, that'll be out, I think, at the end of October. Um, so, yeah, a lot of cool stuff uh, coming up in the next year or so. Sweet. Yeah, man, that's, I'm really excited about that. I did not
1: see that. So that was news to me too. I'm all right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big fan of the Juds and, uh, all those people you just mentioned. So that's, uh, that's super exciting. It's cool. You got to work with Molly too. She's one of my favorites. I really, really enjoy her. She's awesome. Yeah. So
0: Molly's awesome. We've, great. uh, we did a gig together in, uh, in Chicago a couple years ago with, uh, 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 the guys from North Mississippi All-Stars and uh, I forget who all was there. It was one of the most fun gigs ever, you know, because it was was for a guitar festival. And um, Mm -hmm. we did 45 minutes of improvised, just whatever you want to call it. It wasn't really jazz. It was just one long song. (laughs) (laughs) It was fun, man. I haven't seen any videos from that that, uh, show, but, man, we all had a, had a good time. That's that's killer, man. That's so cool.
1: <laughs> all right. The classic questions. Here they come. First one, what is your favorite boss pedal?
0: <laughs> Heavy metal. Heavy metal. All right. HM2. Oh, yeah. All right, right. I like it. <laughs> I'm sticking with it. <laughs> <laughs> do you do
1: the uh the, the famous chainsaw settings or you just like crank oh yeah an acoustic uh,
0: guitar man
1: it sounds absolutely <laughs> horrible and i love it i'm gonna try that as soon as we get off this call <laughs> <laughs> uh, i like it the hm2 i think probably unexpected pull for you so i like that even better that's great <laughs> all right final question this one's uh where things get a little bit controversial what is your favorite kind of pizza
0: Oh, I'm gonna be really lame, and uh, I I usually just go with like a meat lovers sort of thing. You know, I'm fine with any kind of meat on a pizza, mm -hmm. but I can't do veggies on a pizza at all. It just it loses. I can have I like veggies on everything else, but if I'm gonna eat pizza, it's got to be just horrible for me. (laughs) <laughs> and you know i don't want anything to to you know doll it up and make it healthy it's it's just got to be a absolute gut bomb i like it
1: do you have a favorite style or pizzeria or uh you know thin crust thick crust detroit like what's your thing oh i
0: like any of it man i i would i if i have to pick um i mean i've had some some thick crust that'll that that's been great you know and and um but I, I'm probably more, you know, New York kind of thin crust mm-hmm. sort of thing. You know, that's probably, that'd probably be my favorite. I like it. Yeah. Same here. Same here. Well, Trey, thank you so
1: much for this. This was a blast. I really enjoyed uh, hanging out. Hopefully we get to, I get to see you again in the future. That would be cool. Yeah, and That'd uh, be great, this man. Thanks a, for having me on. Absolutely. This was a great episode. I'm excited to get it out there. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. Of course. All right, everybody, for Trey, this is Blake, and as always, folks, good luck and good tones. All right, folks, I hope you enjoyed that episode, and if you did, guess what? We've got more over on Patreon, where for five bucks a month, you can get extra episodes beamed right to your ears, and it helps me out tremendously. So, thank you to everyone who's done that. I really, really appreciate it. I hope you enjoy these conversations. I certainly enjoy bringing them to you, and I'm going to keep bringing them to you. In fact, I'm now two weeks in a row where I've had time to publish video versions of the podcast. So if you want to watch me have these conversations, you can go back to the Tone Mob YouTube channel and check them out there. I published my episode with the Rev Amp Dudes and with Ariel Posen over the last two weeks. So if you wanna see us have these conversations, please feel free to slide over there, give it a subscribe, all that stuff really helps as well. So thank you all for your time. Check out Trey, check out me,
2: Hey, this is Scott from on the Call. Each week I speak to a different musician, whether they're in an established band like Silverstein or The Wonder Years, or a band on the rise like Spanish Love Songs, Origami Angel, or Meet Me at the Altar. We discuss music and lyrics, the successes and challenges of being in a band, and more, as we get to the core of each artist. The show features musicians of diverse genres and backgrounds, so there's always a chance I'll be talking to your new favorite band. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com.